0: Well, God bless you. Welcome today. If you're new here, I would love to get to meet you. Uh, My name is Joel, and my wife Jennifer and I founded this church about four and a half years ago, and we're really excited about this new season. We're about to have our fifth birthday as a church in uh, in February of this next year. So, if you haven't checked out and seen our vision uh, series or vision message that was released a couple of weeks ago, make sure that you do that so you're on the same page uh, and you're aligning your heart and your faith uh, and belief. Toward what God is going to launch here in this church in our fifth year. Five is the number of grace. And I believe God's moving us into a season where His grace is upon our church in an incredible way, a powerful way. And I believe there's part of the vision that you get to be a part of, that He's handpicked certain ministries that you want to know about because there's a part for you to play and a partnership for you to have with us. Amen amen. December 10th is our vision. It's our go and grow uh, vision day. Uh, it's when all of us, are, we're praying, we're believing for God to show us how we're going to participate in that vision, whether uh, serving and also financially. So mark that date down, December 12th. That'll be a Sunday, our grow and grow Sunday. Got a great holiday plans. We're going to have so many amazing things uh, and we're really excited about the future. Amen. Amen. Let's jump right in this today, talking about keys of the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom. And this is a series I've been very excited to share with you. And I'm excited to share it with you because of how it sets up our next series. God has instructed us to teach specifically on faith for miracles faith for miracles the reason is is that he's picked us to be a part of the revival that he wants to release inside of this region and God wants this house to be a house of miracles can I tell you there are lots of great churches around the area uh, there are in fact I could recommend you to a number of churches where the pastor's way better than me better preacher better looking better hair taller I, I mean lots of qualities But there's a reason he selected us to launch a church. It's because he wants to do something that's different. There are not a lot of churches that will open up and create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to do miracles in the day and age that we live in people are a little nervous about freaking people out or running people off and if we're not careful we can forget that the church is supposed to be a body of bold believers that are not afraid to step out and walk in the power and the authority of God in the earth. The church is not supposed to be a boring place the church is supposed to be an adventure ride of obedience with Jesus Christ and when you begin to obey Jesus he will challenge you, he will thrill you. He will give you instructions that make you nervous. Can you imagine being one of Jesus's disciples that walked the earth with him? He told them to do crazy things. Like, go down there and find that donkey. Yeah, the one that has never been ridden before and just take it. You know, a donkey in that day and age was like a Lexus. Can you imagine the conversation that the disciples had walking to steal this donkey? We're going to jail today, buddy. I hope he bails us out. I mean, Judas has been holding that purse pretty tight. I don't know if they're going to spring us out of this one. I mean, the, the conversations, because Jesus said, if anybody asks, just tell them the Lord has need of your donkey. Try that at the Walmart today. <laughs> right? I mean, it was a thrill ride. It was not supposed to be boring. It was a revolt against a demonic, oppressive religious system, not just the governmental system, a religious system that was not what God had intended for the earth. And I want you to understand that he's calling Oaks Church into a new territory where we are different and distinct because he wants his power to be alive inside of the church, and he wants people to be healed on a regular basis. He wants people to be delivered on a regular basis. Basis. He wants marriages to be restored. He wants people to come alive. He wants his power demonstrated. Paul the Apostle said, I don't come before you with clever messages, but with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, it's time for the church to be bold. We're not going to be the salt and light of the world that we're called to be if we're timid. Now, that doesn't mean be a jerk. It means love loudly. Love loudly. It's the love of God. It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's not the long, bony, religious fingers pointing out everything that's wrong with them. It's the big open arms that say, I know you're a mess and I'm a mess too. Come on, let's just follow Jesus together and let him work on us. God doesn't change you to come to him. He draws you to him and then he goes to work on you. Amen? We're talking about the keys of the kingdom. When Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom, he was talking about authority. He was talking about access He was talking about responsibility. Keys have a lot of representations. They represent freedom. They represent access, but they represent authority and responsibility. And we're talking about the authority of God and what that can do in your life today. Now, we all understand on some levels different types of authority. And as a dad, I understand that there's a difference. I live in a household full of women. I am the lone man inside of my household. The only other masculine entities are three dogs that have all been castrated. It is not not—it is not a very testosterone-charged environment. I asked the Lord to give me a boy for backup. He didn't do it. Uh, he said his grace is sufficient, so I only make girls. And, and it's a different environment. And I don't know if you know this, but sometimes um, daughters and moms can have... D- uh, intense conversations And that's just kind of part of it when Women have claws right They just do They have claws And sometimes they come out And that happens And, and then the, you know <laughs> But there's a difference There's a distinctive When dad steps in And speaks with authority Into a situation yes. It's just different I, I, I've never one time heard A dad say You just wait till your mommy gets home <laughs> But I can tell you growing up, there were times where I was maybe feeling myself a little bit and my mom would say, oh yeah, well, let's just wait till your dad gets home. We'll see about that, won't we? And instantly I'm like, ooh, because there's an authority that dad carries and God created that. It's interesting that Jesus, when he showed up on the planet, he talked about a father from heaven that would love you that would nurture you, that would empower you, that would welcome you, that would infuse you with everything that you need to succeed in life. He introduced us to a father figure uh, mother worship or, or female deities have been worshipped all through history and culture. Jesus showed up and introduced a loving father. In the Old Testament, God wasn't called father. He was called the Almighty. He was called El Shaddai. He was called the Lord of armies. He was the creator. He was the judge. But Jesus saw fit to introduce a new opportunity for relationship. The relationship with a powerful male authority figure, a father figure. Now we understand that God is neither male nor female. God has all of the attributes in him all at the same time. We have a father, we have Jesus the son, and we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a very nurturing, mothering type nature to it. God possesses in and of himself all of it, but it's important that we recognize and we can connect to and understand the authority of the father figure. And he's called us as men to be the priest of our home, the godly representation of his authority, his love, his nature inside of our homes. And man, and that is a heavy responsibility. You know, the Bible talks about how a wife's role is to submit to and respect her husband, okay? The husband's role is to, like Christ, die, unto himself that's what the bible says to love his wife so much that like christ he would die to himself to present her holy and righteous and spotless and blameless on that day it is a heavy responsibility to be a godly man in the home and the reality is too many people have have abdicated their position and are not walking in that And it's important that we as godly men at Oaks Church take a stand. We're not perfect, but we're doing the best we can to be a godly representation in our home. And in that, we can walk and we can raise up incredible godly families. It's our responsibility. But we all like authority. You would probably rather be in charge than have someone bossing you around all the time, right? You ever seen kids try to boss stuff around? Try to boss siblings around? Try to boss the pet around? They're stuffed animals. Kids understand they wanna be in charge, right? Remember when, you ever, you ever had a kid that they learned the phrase, you're not the boss of me? That was something my little sister would say to me. You're not the boss of me. And then whenever uh, I, I would babysit, I would say, I am the boss of you now. I am the boss of you for this next two hours, right? We all want that. We like that. I remember um, even when my daughter, Sydney, was little, she was three years old, and we were at a friend's house, um, her little friend Emma, and they were playing. And back in those days, there were these little bitty toys called Polly Pockets. Did anybody remember Polly Pockets? These little bitty choke hazards. I don't think they make them anymore because too many kids died. They're, I mean, they're tiny little doll thingies with clothes and hats and whatever, and they're an, all these different animals or whatever. I can't remember what they were. It was girl stuff. I tried to ignore it as much as I could. I'm just playing. But, but, but I remember them having this conversation, and the little three year old Emma and three year old Sydney, and, and they're walking up the stairs, and they're three, and, and Sydney says, Let's play with Polly Pockets. And Emma says, No. Those are my Polly Pockets, and you can't play with them. And Sydney says, "That's ridiculous." <laughs> and they ensued a little of their conversation, and then the parents got to get involved, and Polly Pockets were played with, and all that. But Emma had an understanding: this is my toy, this is my authority, and I'm going to wield my authority in this moment because it's just a natural thing that humans do. And we've all seen bad authority in our lives, haven't we? We've seen authority that is a misrepresentation. Isn't it interesting? The Bible says that all authority comes from God. And God will even allow for a season evil authority to be in place because he's working on something that we don't understand at that time. All through the Bible, God used evil authority to accomplish certain purposes. And then he would elevate righteous authority as well and we all would rather have righteous authority so i hope that in the next what i don't know almost 12 months or so we would vote for that and we would find that hopefully but thank god that jesus is more powerful than our government we're always going to have flawed situations inside of the governmental structure inside of our nation it's not going to be perfect because there's humans in charge only god is perfect So we can do the best that we can and vote for kingdom principles and godly principles to the best of our abilities. But at the end of the day, we recognize that God puts people in authority for a specific reason and purpose. And our goal is to figure that out. And sometimes there is a reason to buck authority. I mean, we wouldn't have a nation if we didn't. We would be England. Right now, you'd talk real funny. If we hadn't bucked authority, that's kind of the fabric of our nature. We're Americans, by God. We like our guns and our Bibles here in Texas. Hopefully in that order. Some of you like your, well, no, the other order, the other way, Bibles and your guns, right? See where my priorities lie. But in, in, in the last few years, we saw a creature evolve inside of our culture, a creature that we had never understood or paid attention to before. This creature, and I know using the word evolve or evolution in church is a little risky, but I'm doing it for fun here. This creature that we saw evolve into our culture was this creature called Karen. (laughs) You ever experienced Karen? We saw Karen so much over the last three or four years. I've never seen so many Karens. See, a Karen is someone that thinks they have authority, but doesn't. And Karen thinks it's her job, or I guess there can be male Karens, I guess, but it's a person that thinks it's their job to tell you how to live your life. And they don't actually have authority, they just act like it. And I remember um, a few years ago, we were in Florida for a volleyball tournament and we went to Disney World during the pandemic and Disney had hired an entire army of Grandma Karens. <laughs> and these Grandma Karens were these enforcers of, of all of the rules. And specifically, they had somehow decided that they understood how this pandemic would spread. And so you had to wear your mask um, anytime you were moving. So if if I'm walking and eating popcorn, I'm spreading the virus. But if I'm standing still and eating popcorn, I'm not spreading the virus. So I'm walking and I'm eating popcorn and I'm being yelled at by a Karen. And so then I would stop and I would eat my popcorn and I would say, now I'm not spreading the virus anymore, I'm safe now, so I can keep my mask off as long as I'm eating my popcorn in a stationary fashion. I'm no longer spreading the virus, okay, very good. And then if I was walking and drinking my water, I was spreading the virus and Karen would yell at me. But if I would stand still and drink my water, everyone's safe. And I'm talking, they were everywhere. And I'm embarrassed to say how many grandmothers I yelled at that day. I really had a bad day. And I'm I'm talking they were relentless and they would follow you, like badgering you. And I'm I'm literally, we're leaving, we're walking out of the gate and I happen to take that demonic face thing off as I'm coming out of the gate and there's a Karen grandma following us, yelling at us and we're like, we're leaving. We're outside of the gate. And they're like, you're still on property as long as you're in the parking lot. You have to wear your mask. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna kill grandma today. (laughs) No real authority but trying to enforce something. And and I want want to understand, and I want you to understand, that this thing of authority is real. But it's got to be real authority. And you can't fake it. See, Jesus walked, the Bible says that all authority was given unto him. It actually says that inside of Jesus' physical body, the entirety of the Godhead dwelt. All of God filled all of Jesus. It's an incredible thing. And he walked in immeasurable, powerful authority. And he wielded it a certain way. See, we pray oftentimes very different than Jesus prayed. Somewhere along the way, we were taught that the holiest of all prayers was a prayer that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed thousands of prayers. Thousands of prayers. Jesus would pray all night long. But there's one prayer specifically that we have been taught in our Christian uh, religious circles that is the holiest of all prayers. And Jesus prayed it one time on his worst day. He was in the middle of what might be called a panic attack. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He knows he's got A matter of hours before he's going to suffer a fate that no other human had ever walked through before. And he was asking God, the father, to get him out of it. If there's any other way, father, please, please let this cup pass from me. And then he uttered these famous words, but not my will, but your will be done. Beautiful. Incredible. Submission to the father's will, submission to the father's authority. But he prayed that way one time. That's the only record of that prayer. And all through scripture, we watched Jesus bend creation around his words. Jesus would speak to a tree and it would wither within 24 hours. Jesus would speak to a storm and it would cease in that moment. Jesus would speak to a dead person and they would get up. He would speak to a blind person and they would see. He would speak to a deaf person. They would hear a crippled arm. Stretch out your arm. It would grow right in front of people's eyes. When Jesus prayed, he stood before Lazarus' tomb. He didn't beg. He didn't grovel. He said this, Father, I thank you that you hear me. In fact, I thank you that you always hear me. And I'm not even praying this prayer for me. I'm praying this prayer so that everyone here in the sound of my voice would know that you are with me. And then he said this, hey, Lazarus, come forth. That was his prayer. He commanded a dead dude that had been dead four days to come back to life and come forth. And then he commanded people to open the grave up. And they said, no, 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 by now he stinks. He says, do it anyway. And mummy Lazarus waddles out. And Jesus says, untie him, unbind him. Oh man, this is powerful stuff. Jesus, in this passage that we've read for the last couple weeks, gave a tremendous amount of authority to his children. Matthew 18, 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with him. An unbelievable level of authority that Jesus gave to us the ability to bind things on earth that we come to the revelation of have been bound in heaven. To take authority over things in the earth that we come to the understanding of are not God's will in heaven to release things into the earth that we now have a revelation of this is God's will in heaven and he wants to release this into the earth that's a responsibility that he gave to us when he gave us the keys of the kingdom he made us the gatekeepers of releasing heaven on earth and shutting down hell in the earth it's a big deal this authority thing is a very big deal Jesus walked in total confidence. How did he wield his authority? He declared things out of his mouth that he was absolutely convinced were God's will. He knew this is God's will, so I'm gonna declare it and command it to come to pass. It's not about just flippantly saying things. It's about understanding the heart of the Father and releasing that into your earthly environment. The declaration of God Declaration is God's authority, voice activated, voice activated. See, we live in a world where we understand voice activation or activation. I'm making up words. When you're real smart, you make up your own words. (laughs) I can say to my phone, Hey Siri. And my phone blinks up a little light and wants to talk to me. You ever had a mishap with Siri. My friend Kevin texted me yesterday, he was voice texting, and Siri uh, misrepresented him and sent a funny word. And it reminded me of a text I sent you, Kevin, about four or five years ago, where I literally told Siri to send a text to Kevin that said, hey, I have something that I need to talk to you about. But Siri didn't hear something. Siri heard syphilis. Syphilis. So Kevin messaged me back and says, "Um, I think you should probably check that text. I have syphilis I need to talk to you about. A voice activation can get us in trouble, right? What's interesting and what's funny (laughs) I don't know if you guys, I like comedians. There's a funny sketch with Kevin Hart where he's talking about his dad calling the phone Cyrus, and he thinks there's like a little man in there. Hey Cyrus, Cyrus! He's shaking the phone. Anyway. Uh, but, but what's funny is that my my devices are programmed to my voice. So when my wife tries to talk to my devices, they won't work. Frustrates her. Because she's trying to talk to my phone. It's not her phone, it's my phone. It, it, it talks to me, and it talks to me in the voice that I picked. A South African female voice, because that's a good voice. I like that one. And that's why it talks to me. But it understands, it recognizes my voice. It talks to me the way that I want to be talked to, and it represents, and it understands the voice that I want to talk to. It's pretty fun like that, right? You can pick whatever you want. You want that British, stuffy British guy? Put him on there. Whatever you want to do. But what's interesting is, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, And they won't follow a stranger. Your voice activated too. Did you know that your voice print is one of the most powerful identifiers in your entire uh, physical body? It's just as individual as your fingerprints, your thumb. It's just as individual as your retinal scan. It's just as individual as your teeth. No one has your exact voice print. People can imitate voices but it's not the same voice print. You have a voice that is individual that no one else on the planet has. But what's really powerful is when God's voice enters your voice. See, God is a creator and he creates through speaking. He speaks things into existence and he made you in his image a creator who speaks things into existence. Did you know that you hear, uh, the average human, we hear four different types of voices. We hear the voices of other people around us. We hear the voice of the enemy. The enemy likes to speak to us and he speaks to us in our head, right? He tries to implant thoughts in our head. He speaks to us. We hear our own voice. Did you know that your voice, your voice, according to scientific research, is the voice that you trust more than any other voice, even more than Morgan Freeman's? You trust your own voice. You have internal conversations constantly. How many of y'all talk to yourself? Anybody talk to yourself out loud? That's fun, right? Who are you talking to? Myself, my other self, right? There's many of us. Talk, I talk to myself out loud all the time. When God speaks to you, he speaks to you in your heart. You hear an eternal, or pardon me, an it is eternal and it's an internal voice and it will sound like your voice because he wants you to trust it. But God speaking in your heart, an internal voice in your heart, will share things and show you things you didn't know, will give you understanding and revelation you didn't have, will give you solutions that you did not come up with before. God will speak to you on the inside Because he understands he made you in a way to trust that voice on the inside of your heart. The voice in your head, you gotta watch out for. Because the enemy's a counterfeiter. And so he'll get in your head and he'll get you worried about stuff and and fretting about stuff and, and talking negative about stuff and saying all kinds of whatever, and it's coming from your head. It's not the deep belief in your heart. But if you're not careful, if you're not careful, the enemy can penetrate with this counterfeit voice that you start believing the wrong voice. The good news is Jesus said, if you're truly his sheep, that you do hear his voice. If you're truly his sheep, you won't follow a stranger. Declaration is God's authority, voice activated. But declaration has to have backup. Has to have backup. You got to be able to back it up. You can't just say things and think they're going to happen. We, we've all known someone that was talking out uh, of their mouth, but there was nothing behind it. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a young man, and as a, for those of you that haven't, don't know me yet or haven't got to know me yet, my, my first career was as a professional martial artist, and so I fought for a living. That's what I did. I trained fighters, and I fought for a living, and God thought it'd be funny to make me be a pastor and now I don't get to hit people as often, but I still do, um, just plain. I, not only when they deserve it or when I'm paid uh, well to do it, but um, if your kids need discipline, it's $10,000. I'm just joking. I'm just, I'm just joking. But uh, no, but, but, uh, but I was trained to be able to back it up. And, and I had, you would never have guessed it, but as a teenager, I, I, had a, I had a big mouth. You would have never guessed that. I know that you would not think that I was a smart aleck, but I was, but, but I lived in a very redneck part of Oklahoma, and there were a number of people there. I was constantly dealing with big redneck cowboys and whatever, and I had a bark, but my bark had to have something behind it. And my training in the martial arts gave me some backing behind it that I wasn't afraid to, to back that up, right? And I've had multiple situations. In fact, as a youth pastor, I'd only been out of the professional martial arts industry for a couple of years. And I took a group of kids to Nicaragua on a missions trip. And after we were in Nicaragua for a week or two working, um, we came down to Costa Rica and spent a couple days at the beach just to decompress and relax. And we were renting surfboards and having a good time. And I had a whole bunch of kids uh, with me. I'm driving this van uh, full of kids and we go into the surf shop. And this guy that was running the surf shop was a jerk. And he was cussing at my kids. These are my kids in my youth group. I'm in my late 20s, uh, maybe maybe just turned 30, cussing at my kids, calling them stupid. All, I'm just be, being an absolute jerk. And I'd had, I'd had just about enough of it. And I, I looked around, and it was um, early 2000s, uh, maybe 2002 or three. And I, I I look around and I realize that there's no technology in this surf shop. It's a, the whole thing's run off a clipboard. There's no cameras. There's no computers. There's no nothing. <laughs> they don't have any record of me, <laughs> except what's on this clipboard right here. And and so I formulated a plan, to assert my authority and protect my 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 teenagers. And my backup plan was if it goes wrong and I have to break this guy's head, I'll take the clipboard, they'll never find us, right? That's, that was my backup plan. But I, 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 and it was a big dude, he was a big dude. He's all muscled up, big surfer dude. And, and I stepped up to him, I got right in front of his face. And I said, hey, listen, I said, you've been rude to these kids for the last three days and I've had enough of it. I said, now you're gonna change your tone and you're gonna to talk to these kids differently. And if you don't, you're gonna have a major problem. He started to say something. I stepped right up in his face. I said, do you understand me? You're about to have a major problem and you need to change your attitude right now. You have no idea how bad this is about to get for you. And all my kids are standing behind me, and it's, you could hear a pin drop, right? And this guy looks at me, and he kind of cocks his head, because I'm smaller than him, right? And at the time, I'm like 160, so I was I was much smaller. And now I'm, maybe I'm close to the same size. I don't know, but but back then I was I was a, I wasn't a big guy. And he looks at me, he goes, "Okay," I said, "It's a good decision." <laughs> and I walked out, and the kids were like, "Oh!" You know, and they, and they wanted to go back. They're like, we want to see you Gigas. But, But it was, I, I knew the authority that I had. Number one, I have authority for these, I got 30-something parents, or double, 60 parents waiting back home for these kids, and they're my kids on this trip. I'm their protector on this trip. And I also have a special set of skills that I know how to back up my authority. So I'm gonna make a declaration, but I've got some backup behind it. Now, what's interesting is it's very similar in the spiritual realm, But the difference was in that situation in a Costa Rican surf shop, it was my power backing me up. With God, it's His power backing you up, it's not about your authority. And that's where, we get wrong. that's where we get off on this thing. Is that we, 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 we sit back and, and we resist stepping and being assertive and stepping into things because we're looking at ourselves and we're seeing the flaws and we're seeing what's wrong and we don't recognize that we have the perfect son of God that is inside of us and he represents us and he's behind us in every venture. And when we walk into situations, we walk into places carrying a level of authority that other people don't understand. The Apostle Peter, wherever he would walk, if the sun would hit a certain angle, his shadow would fall across. People would get healed because of his shadow. The Apostle Paul, it says, that they brought handkerchiefs to him and they would put them on his body and then take the handkerchief to somebody else, and that person would get healed. It's incredible. Because he walked in true authority. He knew who he was in Christ Jesus. He knew what God had told him to do. And he was walking in a true level of authority. Can't be fake, it can't just be a big mouth. It has to have backup. So there's an interesting story in Scripture, it's in the book of Acts, chapter 19. Verse 11 says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that he touched or had touched him were taken back to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. (laughs) Demons would have to leave someone because of a hanky that had touched Paul's body. They would say, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. Some Jews... Who went around driving out evil spirits tried to involve the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this exact thing. One day the evil spirit answered them. This is freaky right here. This is straight out of the movies. Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, all seven of them, overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Listen, you have had a real but whooping when you run out the house without your britches. That is a real whooping right there. You understand? This is not, come on, demons, you don't play, this whole spiritual authority thing, you don't play with it is my point. You don't play with it. If you're gonna interact with this, you better know who you are in him and you better know what you're walking with and better know what you're carrying because knowing of Jesus isn't good enough. In the name of the Jesus... That's like saying the Walmarts, right? In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches about. We heard this dude talking about this. Let's give it a try. Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It has to be real authority that you back up because you actually have that relationship. It's about knowing who you are in him. And it's about being known by him. This is one of the scariest passages I'm about to read to you. Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What? That's not Jesus. Jesus wasn't saying that to a bunch of drunken, you know, revelable sinners. Jesus was saying that to church folk. Church folk. It's not not drunkards and, and, and wild party animals and sinners that are trying to prophesy and cast out demons and lay hands on people for healing miracles. It was church folk who were playing a religious game and never actually knew Jesus. Man, this is a sobering passage. Man, we can't be about playing a religious game. Church can't be about checking boxes. Church can't be about a networking for your business. Look, you'll build relationships here and your business will probably be blessed, but the motive of your heart has to be obeying Jesus, glorifying Jesus. See, the reason his disciples walked in such amazing authority is that they had moved beyond just being a believer in Jesus. The Bible says, even Demons believe and tremble. For the authority to be real, it's about knowing, not just believing. You got to know him. And the way you know him is by spending time with him. And the way you prove to him that you are known by him is by obeying him. When his disciples started out, they were just a bunch of teenagers and young 20s somethings, and, and they'd met the Messiah and they were following him and they're freaked out. He's this amazing, it's incredible. And they're talking about who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom. They're arguing about I'm gonna be better than you, I'm gonna no, I'm gonna sit next to him. No, I'm gonna sit next to him. No, I'm gonna be the great. No, I'm gonna be the great. This is how you know that Jesus was a youth pastor. <laughs> right? Because he's having crazy conversations with, with these teenagers and young adults that are following him. And they're hanging out with Jesus, talking about, I'm going to be the greatest. They got Muhammad Ali going on. I'm the greatest, right? And, and Jesus is like, you missed the whole point. It's about, it's about serving, not about being served. It's about serving, not being served. Depart from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. See, if we're, if we're after the authority, if we're going after the authority, and our goal is to walk in authority, we've missed the actual point. The point is knowing him. That's why when, his, when, when he went out, his disciples they came back and they said, they said, People got healed, Jesus. People got healed. It was amazing. Even the demons, even the demons trembled and left. He would cast out demons. And Jesus is like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. But what you should be rejoicing about is that your name is written in the book of life. It's about knowing him. The authority comes from knowing him. If our focus is on the authority and the power... We've missed the point. The focus has to be on knowing him. And now we know him so much. We know his words so much. We know his voice so much. We know his will so much. We know what he wants so much that we walk into situations that we know are not his will. And so we speak to situations inside of your marriage. There have been times that I've spoken to my marriage and commanded unity. Cause I know that division is not God's will in my marriage. I've spoken to situations in my my children, and I've commanded certain things to happen inside of the situations with my children. Why? Because I know that it is his will for them to flourish and to prosper and have godly relationships and step into fullness of who God's called them to be. I know God's will, so I have boldness to declare it. If you don't know him and you don't know his will, you can get real fleshy real quick. Then it's about your will. It's about what you want. Jesus in this passage says, if you come into unity, two or three of you come into unity and you ask anything according to my father's will, it will be done for you. What's the catch? Has to be the father's will. Well, I mean, well, Joe, I mean, how could I, how could I know? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Man, memorize it. Read the descriptions of what it's like in heaven. That's his will. That's his will. The reality of heaven is his will for the earth. There is going to be a rapture. We're going to get caught up. The Bible talks about the believers in Christ being caught up. But then he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth in the heavenly city. The eternal city is going to descend to the earth. And we're going to live for eternity on the earth inside of his heavenly city in our new glorified bodies. It's on the earth. The will of God is heaven on earth. That is the ultimate will and plan and purpose of God and he gets a kick out of it when we get that revelation and we start walking in it right now. The worst thing that could happen is you get this mindset that this is for somebody else and not for me. God wants you. He's given you your own voice. Oh my God, do you understand? No one else has your voice. No one else can speak to certain things besides you. He gave you the voice to speak to it. And the power happens when you connect to his voice and you echo it through yours. There's a word in scripture. It's the word profession, to make a profession. The the two Greek words... that that make up that word profession are the word same and word. It's the same word. The same word. Guys, this is so big. I hope you grab this. The power happens when you say the same word that God is saying. When you say the same word that God is saying. When you read your Bible and you find out this is the will of God. I know it's his will. Did you know there's not a single time There's not a single time in scripture that someone came to Jesus asking them for healing and he said, nope, it's not my will. Not one instance. Now people still got sick and people still died. I mean, life happens, stuff happens. But his will is for us to be in health and live. His will is for our families to be whole and unified. His will is for us to stay married and raise great children that love him, that follow his voice. His will is for us to step up and be the leaders in our society that he's called us to be, to hear his voice and to declare it, to walk in the authority of heaven and the earth. But it starts with knowing him. It starts with knowing him. Jesus said, you are my friends, if you obey me. You're my friends if you obey me. The band's gonna come and we're gonna sing uh, another song for just a minute. But I just wanna take a second, if you would just kinda close your eyes and allow for a moment of introspection. Is there any part of your life where you're disobeying Jesus? The Bible says if your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence with God. Is there anywhere where your heart condemns you? An area of your life where you're being disobedient? A place in your relationship with him where you're being disobedient? A place in your other relationships with other people where you're being disobedient to God and how you treat people? Is there a habit that's disobedient? A hobby that's disobedient? Obedience opens heaven, remember? Obedience opens heaven. Obedience opens heaven. God wants to open heaven in your marriage. You have to obey Him. You have to speak to your spouse the way He's calling you to speak. You've got to speak to your children the way He's calling you to speak. You've got to profess, you've got to say the same word. The power comes when His voice fits inside of your voice. The confidence comes when you know this is God's will. I know this is God's word. I know this is what God wants. So I'm crazy confident to declare it and to expect it because I know my father. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They won't follow a stranger. What is the voice of Jesus leading you toward today? Maybe there's an area of your life where He is not Lord. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's an attitude. Maybe there's a place of anger. Maybe there's a place of jealousy or control where you keep taking the driver's wheel. Jesus isn't Lord in that area. You won't give that to Him. Maybe there's a place of unforgiveness where you keep holding on to a past hurt because that gives you control and what you don't realize is it's been putting you in prison. It's been stealing your confidence with God and when you stand before him, your prayers don't have the weight or the power because you're not forgiving someone and fully releasing them and you're holding yourself in a place of spiritual impotency where you have no power Because you're choosing to hold on to resentment or regret or bitterness. Come on, this is your moment. Just give it to him. Just give it to him in your own words. Just give it to him. Under your your breath, just give it to him. Obey, obey, obey. Pray this real quick with me. Just say this. Say, Father. I want you to be the Lord of every part of my life. I give you my whole life. Jesus, you are the Lord of my whole life. I want to obey you. Help me obey you. I want to know you. And I want you to know me.